Hello, and welcome to another edition of 50 Stories of Transformation. I'm Michaela Leji, and I'll be your host for this interview and this story. Today, we're talking about a subject that I think is probably really near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, uh, just because anyone can be impacted by it at any given moment and any moment of time, and that is natural disasters. Now, today we're gonna be focusing on disaster relief um, and how God is doing awesome transformation work through that and in that field. But uh, a natural disaster is something that, you know, I'm sure many of us have either experienced for ourselves or have had loved ones impacted by it. Um, Or maybe you've gone and you've been the hands and feet of Christ and just have helped uh, meet those physical needs. But you've seen, you've seen the, you know, the consequences or the impact of a natural disaster. So today I'm joined with Mr. Kenton Hunt, who is the State Disaster Relief Director. And I'm also joined with Mr. Jeff Slagle, who is a Disaster Relief Blue Hat. Both these men have been involved with disaster relief trips and just worked in that field for a very long time and have seen a lot of the awesome transformation work that God has done and is doing through disaster relief. So we'll go ahead and jump right in and we'll start with Mr. Hunt. If you want to go ahead and start by giving us just a little background on how you got into disaster relief and how long have you been doing disaster relief? Well, um, I guess I got into disaster relief by working in a church in, in a town where there was an actual disaster. And so um, back in way back in 1996, right after the wheel was invented, um, there was some major flooding, people lost their lives, and our church parking lot became a site where uh, a mass feeding kitchen, one of our mass feeding kitchens was set up um, to, to, to do that kind of feeding. So I got to see with my own eyes and also became sort of the runner, <laughs> the gopher for uh, that crew. And um, we also had families who were affected by it greatly. And um, I was able to put my hands on that. Um, I had gotten some disaster relief training. And so I had an idea, but I had never actually done it. But that was really the beginning uh, of my my interest in it, which grew deeper really with every step. Uh, Then 9-11 happened. I did not participate in that, but we had church members who had also been trained and certified as as disaster relief volunteers. And they were there um, doing feeding and, uh, you know, at the 9-11 site. And um, they came back with their stories. It just went on from there. The more involved I got, the more in love I fell with it. And uh, and, and now I'm the state disaster relief director. So in a nutshell, that's what happened. I didn't start, um, or actually I didn't get my training until after 9-11, in fact it was just after that. And I'm not even sure who had introduced me to disaster relief because I hadn't heard of it before 9-11. But I got my training, uh, it was probably two years before I was able to go on my first call. Uh, And I think it was at the end of um, Hurricane Isabel. Um, But my first real, disaster relief call was uh, Hurricane Katrina in Biloxi, Mississippi. And seeing the work that was done there and the people that were being reached um, uh, with the gospel and uh, 
all the the people that were involved uh, it just that convinced me right then and there this is this is what i want to do i've always told people that if i was independently wealthy i would do disastrously full-time jeff can you share with me a little bit about your title disaster relief blue hat what exactly does that mean well every organization has a hierarchy uh state director uh that kenton is is, is considered a white hat um uh a blue hat would be considered like a unit leader. So if we have a team that's going out on a chainsaw and uh, the person leading that chainsaw team would be a blue hat. Um, the head cook in the feeding unit is a blue hat. Uh, the gold hats are, are the ones that get all of the work done. Um, and then you know, if something goes wrong, you can blame the blue hat. That's another uh, purpose for the blue hat. And, and then we pass that on up to the white hat as well. But um, it's a hierarchy. It, it's a it's a um, it's a level an extra level of training and uh, responsibility um, that uh, that I've come to love and, and enjoy doing. I may not do it well, but I I do what I can and I, and I, I love doing it. Now the next question is a, a little bit loaded, but if you can tell me what kind of transformation work that you have seen God do through disaster relief. How would you describe that? I've seen a lot of individuals, families, towns, uh, volunteers um, be transformed. Uh, I probably should have come to this with, with a specific example in mind. There are a lot of them. I was also thinking about how how I've been transformed. I'm kind of the old guy now in in the BRN, uh, which is hard for me to believe. But I mean, I, I've been here now for I should say my wife and I have been here for 32 years as of January the first. And so I was the young guy when we came, and now I'm the I'm now I'm the old guy. So I have been transformed by ministry in general. But we kind of grabbed a hold of uh, the idea that our faith would, should be growing and we should be walking by faith more and more rather than by sight, as uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says. And so Disaster Relief is a ministry that has uh, challenged me to walk by faith. Uh, disasters happen spontaneously. They're very seldom planned. So if people who are really you know, they're very structured and uh, they cannot go with the flow and disaster response might be difficult for them. I don't know, because because when disasters happens, we're an organization, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief is an organization that's there at the beginning. So if disaster happens today, we're going to try to be there tomorrow. Okay. So you don't necessarily go into a response knowing all the details. And so that, that revolves, involves walking by faith. And um, becoming the state disaster relief director was was a leap of faith for us. You know, I was in a in a great church. Um, um, they were taking care of us. Um, we loved them. They loved us. We loved where we're at. Um, but the Lord said, "I want you to take a leap of faith." And so I let go of uh, you know a steady income, and um, and I raised my own support. So I went from you know, steady income to now I have to raise my own support, um, going into a, 
ministry, I wasn't sure what would be happening tomorrow. And, um, and so um, in, in a state convention that doesn't, you know, that, you know, my salary is not on their budget, in their budget. So um, it, it's, a, it's a challenge for the state convention, it's a challenge for us, uh, for me and my wife. And, um, and so it has transformed, it has grown my faith. I can say that every time, every time we have to get ready to go somewhere and do something to help someone, help a community, um, we are we are really flying by the seat of our pants, going with the knowledge that we have. And part of that knowledge is that um, it's Joshua one nine says, you know, the Lord's saying to Joshua, I am I'm going to be with you, and there you go. <laughs> okay, charge, you know, we're going in. So uh, my faith has grown. It has transformed me. I think it's transformed um, maybe in similar ways, in greater ways, um, the people that we've, we've helped. Certainly when a person receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that is a transforming moment in their lives. And disaster relief is one of those ministries that really kicks the door open for sharing the gospel with people. I love that. And I'm sure Jeff can expound. <laughs> Well, I, I agree with, with Kenton. The, um, the opportunities uh, to share Jesus with people who are more, um, more willing to, to hear are, are greater because it, these, some of these people have lost everything. And who do they turn to? Well, you know, a lot of times God puts us on our back so we can look up. Well, we can be there to help them look up and and i think that's the when, when you say the word transforming that's the the greatest transformation that can happen is somebody you know going into the lake of fire uh, is saved and is now headed for heaven and there's nothing that can stop that once they get saved um and and we've seen that in in the responses that that we've been on um uh, you know we think of uh, there's uh, guy, I remember a guy down in South Carolina, a lady over in Philadelphia or Upper Darby, um, people that, that uh, have seen what we do and, and have seen Jesus because we're doing that. You know, he's the reason that we're doing that. Um, but I've also seen transformation in, in um, some of the churches that, I, that I've been involved in. Uh, they see the work that disaster relief is doing and, and, and how God is working in there. And I've seen them um, increase their donations to uh, disaster relief uh, to help out that ministry. Um, I've often wondered, I, I know the North American Mission Board has um, put a lot of time and effort into disaster relief. They see the value there as well. And you, you know how we have... Um, uh, like Bible studies that churches do for like experiencing God or, or, or some of the other Bible studies that happen. You know, how come nobody's ever created a six-week Bible study on disaster relief? Uh, you know, you can walk through. Um, I, I actually started seeing places in the Bible where I look at a passage and I go, that sounds like disaster relief. Isaiah 21, 14 says the people of, uh, I think, Chima, uh, brought water to those that were thirsty. Well, that sounded like disaster relief to me because we bring water and, you know, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. So, you know, I started seeing, well, there's, uh, there's references in the Bible where people are helping other people that 
that have suffered loss, well, that's that's disaster relief. So it, it's uh, when you say transforming, it affects the victims of disaster relief, the volunteers, the churches that send them, and people that learn about it that start seeing it in the Bible going, oh, that's that's been around for a while. Um, I think it's one of the most powerful ministries that Southern Baptists can do because you meet people where their need is the greatest. You give them food, you give them, you make their house secure, you help them clean up, and then you share Jesus. And uh, you know, that's uh, what better ministry can we have? So you kind of touched on it, uh, Jeff, but uh, you guys not only go and, and help build houses or, um, you know, uh, repair buildings that might need fixed, but you also meet the other needs of those you meet along the way, correct? Sure. We, uh, we, are, we were first active and recognized in what's called mass feeding, feeding thousands of people, you know, at a time. And um, so in the, right at the, usually at the front end of a disaster, um, people can't, they don't have food. And so we're meeting a physical need. We're meeting a physical need. Sometimes we're uh, repairing, um, you know, putting, uh, cleaning out, you know, after a flood, there's a lot of nasty stuff in a house. And, and we're the ones, we're gonna go in and we're gonna get that nasty stuff out of there, get the house ready so it can be rebuilt. Um, you know, get the tree off the house. You know, those are the kind of things where, you know, uh, put a tarp on the roof so that it's not leaking during the next rainstorm. Those are the kind of things we do. And so we offer very physical help. And, and usually then the next step is, you know, putting the house back together. And so that's usually where our churches come in, whether they're disaster relief trained or not. Um, um, churches can can compile the skills that they have in their congregations to go help rebuild a home and that's that's tremendous and so we uh, um, we get excited when we see the whole thing go for full circle you know go from destruction to now the family's walking into their their house and they're restarting you know that's that's very fulfilling and it is also sort of a metaphor isn't it for what Christ does in our lives gives us a new start. Jeff, did you want to add anything to that? Well, it's 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 interesting when you say we we bring we do bring physical help. Uh, uh, mass feeding is is our main function. Um, flood recovery and chainsaw recovery also brings physical help. Um, and it may not seem it, but or, or be recognized, but we. There's also a financial help there as well. Uh, we've been we've talked to people who have had trees on their houses that have told us that you know, somebody came by and wanted to charge them two or three thousand dollars. They've already been through a disaster. We come in and we'll do that for free, and then they can take that two or three thousand dollars that they we're, we're going to spend and use it to to rebuild. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we there was a, a uh, one lady in Upper Pennsylvania somewhere uh, who was a Muslim, she had like four feet of water on her first floor. We tore out everything in the, in the basement and up to the first floor uh, down to the studs. And she was standing outside her house thanking us for the work that we did because 
it didn't cost her anything and and she was able to to use that money to that she would have had to spend cleaning out to, to start rebuilding it was it was amazing she was a, a muslim and after we were done she she told us that not one of her muslim friends offered to help but the southern baptists were there to do what we could to help her out the, the money is a big factor um we save residents a lot of money and uh, it also leads to a great question and that is why in the world are y'all doing this because the assumption that people will have right at the get-go is oh they they're going to want a donation or oh, they're not going to charge us anything but they're going to want a donation well we refuse donations you know please no we don't want you to get confused we we have a very specific reason why why we want to be here and, and help you and they'll say well what is that We'll say, well, because we want to we want to demonstrate for you what Jesus Christ has done for, done for you, and and then that just leads right into the this this to the story of Jesus, who he is, and what he's done for us, and and um, and the invitation to become a follower of him, and just real a real quick story. This goes back to a big snowstorm, uh, not too just north of Pennsylvania uh, in Buffalo. Um, number of years back, but the first, we were the first team in um, with a, a trailer and the tools. It was a chainsaw response and uh, the power was out in, in Buffalo and we were the first team in, we got the first job and uh, it was a woman who was calling the governor, begging him to, you know, she's heard about some help that was coming. And so uh, she was calling it multiple times a day asking for this help. And so as soon as we got there, they, they said, please go help this lady. <laughs> uh, the governor wants us to help this lady. And so we went there and uh, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but what happened in that site, by the way, it was like a 20 minute job. So yeah, 20 minute job. And then we were able to help her neighbor whom she, this lady that we were there initially to help, they weren't getting along. Anyway, the whole thing led to, it's, it's a great story, but the whole thing led to the first lady going into to the local church the next Sunday. And they gave a traditional, you know, uh, come down the aisle type of invitation and she did. Yeah, she was a, she was a Jehovah's Witness who got saved that Sunday. <laughs> and then I was all through the work. I mean, we love those stories. That is why we do what we do. So. Any organization could could do the physical labor that we do, but we do it for the purpose of delivering the gospel. And so, of course, not everyone that we share the gospel with um, understands and accepts at that moment, but we have to trust the Holy Spirit that, that the work's gonna be finished. And, and we also rely upon the follow-up work of the local churches. Now, that's so critical. Whenever we go on a disaster leave, and, and I was reminded of this several years ago, that what we do is not a work detail, it's a ministry. And I kind of remind myself that, uh, you know, we're going there to, to plant a seed, to nurture a seed, or to harvest a seed. Uh, whatever stage those people are at that God's preparing them, we're going just to do our part and, and, and to help them along. So it, it's, Sometimes it can be frustrating because we feel like we're not getting enough done uh, or 
there's too much and we can't get we can't do anything well but we have to just remember that you know we're not there just to clean a house or to cut up a tree it's the people that that uh, we're trying to reach so between both of you i'm sure you've gone to many places uh either you know here uh locally or um nationwide uh, would you mind sharing a few of the places that you have been for disaster relief or a few of the places God has taken you to go do disaster relief? I'm sure Kenton could probably sing that Johnny Cash song, I've Been Everywhere. Um, I haven't <laughs> been to as many places as he has. I've been to uh, Biloxi uh, down south after Katrina. The Carolinas I've been to several times. Uh, I've been to New Jersey. Uh, and and a lot in uh, in Pennsylvania, flooding flooding up northwest. I have not yet had the opportunity to go uh, overseas to Haiti or or Puerto Rico or other places, but that is that's still an option for me. I've got my passport. I'm I'm ready to go. Things line up. God says go, then I'm I'm going to jump on a plane. I've I've learned that the the different places that I go, the hurt is the same, the loss and the confusion and the frustration from, from victims is, is universal. So if I don't get to go out west or uh, up into Canada or down into Texas or something like that, I'm okay with that. There's plenty of people around here that are affected by disasters that I can help. But like I said, I think Kenton's been more places than I have. We've been all over the place in, in South Jersey and in, well, all of New Jersey and in Pennsylvania. I mean, that's primarily where we live and respond. Um, outside of that, we've been in, in New York. We've sent people to um, New England, Connecticut, I'm thinking of, and then Ohio and Iowa and my brain's going Texas and Louisiana and uh, Florida, Carolinas, and yes, um, Puerto Rico. I've had the privilege of not only going to Puerto Rico, but um, sending a bunch of volunteers to Puerto Rico. I'm sure I'm leaving stuff out. And then all those places multiple times. What's kind of fun though, is that everywhere we go, we're, we're working with other volunteers who we're in the same gold color that we're wearing, who have been come up through the way God's led them in, in, in their, um, as a volunteer in their state. And we, we can come together and work together because we're trained the same. We have the same passion for, for Christ and, and the gospel. And, and we, our, our motivations don't get mixed up, you know. And so we're, we're able to do this thing together all over the country and all over the world. So I think we're up to you know, at least a hundred responses, um, you know, places we've been, or, I mean, since I've been involved, places we've been or sent volunteers, we're probably over that. Our first focus is close to home though, Pennsylvania, South Jersey. You, you guys are connected with, the BRN has the program Send Relief. And can you talk a little bit about how Send Relief has impacted the work that you guys do on a, a statewide level? Send Relief is fairly new project of the North American Mission Board. Our national director for Southern Baptist Disaster Relief is actually a Send Relief uh, employee. 
And so my connection with Send Relief in that regard is, is through him. Now, he doesn't tell us what to do. We actually tell him what to do, but, but he helps us coordinate and keeps us connected. He keeps me connected with the other state disaster relief directors. And in fact, uh, we're all meeting together in Alpharetta in just a couple of weeks here. But Send Relief primarily is a resource. When it comes to disaster response, Send Relief is a resource for us. And um, they are, have done some very recent reorganization. Um, that is North American Mission Board and International Mission Board have done some reorganization. So now the International Disaster Relief Response, which the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief was very much a part of through Baptist Global Response has now been rolled into a joint effort between the two mission agencies. Um, and I, it's, it's being called Send Relief. I don't know if Send Relief International is going to be the name of it, but but um, uh, we're, we're always a resource for them also. One of my, my final questions is, what is a scripture passage that you guys find yourself going back to or, or really leaning on during uh, disaster relief work or, or just during the times that you are out uh, being the hands and feet of Christ? I think I referenced it at the beginning, but uh, Joshua 1.9 says, uh, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I pair that with another passage uh, from the New Testament that tells us that the gospel is Christ in us. And so God is with us and Christ is in us. And so we cannot forget that wherever we go, we're, we are to bear Christ. We're taking Christ with us. And that's who people need to see. Yeah, I've never really focused in on, on one particular passage or verse uh, for disaster relief. Um, I mentioned that one verse in, in Isaiah 21, uh, 14, um, there are prophecies against all these different uh, nations. And, uh, and I, I wrote that down and keep that, that verse in uh, written down in my Bible because um, it, it keeps telling me that this isn't anything new. You know, we, we train people uh, every year. People are just learning about disaster relief and, and, and what we can do, but it's not anything that, that God just came up with uh, recently. Uh, and I, I look back to that and go, even in the Old Testament, way back then, uh, you know, God was working in one person's life to help out someone else in during their time of trouble. Uh, so I don't really have anything uh, specific that I point back to other than that, that verse. Well, uh, those are all the questions I have, unless there's anything else you guys would like to share uh, with us about disaster relief, any comments or things you want to clarify? Um, I don't think your name, I don't think we have you as a volunteer in our system. I promise I went on a center relief trip. <laughs> I actually went on my first one last spring to North Carolina, where they're still doing some hurricane uh, repairs. And I just, I loved going and it was such a great experience. Like the way God was working, our team all had the same motive, as you mentioned before, Kenton, like we, we were all on the same page. So we worked like flawlessly together. We all knew we, we were there for a much bigger reason. Um, and, and then like, I got to pray with um, one of the, the people that lived at the house that we were working on. I got to pray with uh, him and, and it was just really cool. It, it was just cool to see God work 
in such a hands-on way. But you can definitely put me in the in the system and then be like, you're going here and going here and I'll just go. <laughs> I'll let you know when, when something pops. Sounds good. <laughs> this COVID stuff has made it uh, a, little, a little different. Yeah, how has that impacted the work that you guys have been doing? Has it slowed it down or just kind of? It has greatly impacted what, what we do, the way we do it because, okay, an example is uh, last fall we had um, tropical, when it hit us, it was tropical storm Isaias. It seems like ancient history now, but that was just this past fall. It greatly affected Philadelphia and, and 10 other counties north, north of the Philly area. And when we were there, Jeff and I were there, um, we were kind of the main main cogs in what we were doing there. Typically, we would have called in volunteer teams from all over our convention. And if that wasn't enough, we would have called on volunteer teams from neighboring state conventions. But everybody was so reticent to, to, to send volunteers anywhere, I was, as I was, to ask them to come. Um, churches you know, weren't open to, to receiving volunteer teams. You know, just for the fear of, you know, spreading COVID. And so, um, so it changed the way we did it. <laughs> so we were in, we were there working. We, we handled about 90 cases. And, um, <clears throat> and we did it by phone, by um, calling on local, our local churches to put together wh whoever. Send us one volunteer, send us 10 volunteers, whatever you've got. We need you on this date. And and so we were relying on local churches to send trained and untrained volunteers to get the work done. And, um, and they had to be able to commute. We couldn't house them. Uh, the whole housing and feeding operation was, is very typical and very standard for us. It wasn't happening. And so um, it, it was, that, was, that was tough. <laughs> and I'm ready for COVID to be over with because it really kind of muffled our strength. <laughs> That is the cooperative nature of what we do. Because of the, the quickly rising cases uh, at the beginning of the summer last year, Pima was trying to put together alternative sites for hospitals because they, they figured they were going to be overflowing with patients. Kenton had been in contact with the uh, representatives of Pima, and they had actually talked about giving us a, a contract to run an alternate site facility for overflow patients. We had to jump through a lot of hoops that we had never even done before, like you know, getting to know what a government contract is and what the expectation were, expectations were. And, and well, at Kenton did enough phone work and conversations that we had people ready to go for at least the first two weeks of that operation. Now, it didn't happen. They, they shut it down. They didn't have to use the facility. But that put us through a lot of gyrations on, on uh, how to do disaster relief differently. That not only helped us better prepare, but it also built a relationship between Southern Baptist Disaster Relief and Pennsylvania Emergency Management. And now they consider us and we consider them uh, partners. Thank you so much, Mr. Hunt and Mr. Slagle for joining us today and uh, sharing your insight into disaster relief and how God is using that field to transform hearts, transform minds, and of course, <laughs> transform buildings and just meet those physical needs.
If you are interested in getting involved with disaster relief, or maybe your church is interested, I have two resources for you uh, where you can find out more information on disaster relief. Number one, grab your computer and go online to www.brnunited.org backslash DR, the DR being for disaster relief, of course. There's tons of information there about disaster relief and resources for you or your team. You can also email Mr. Hunt, who you heard from today. His email is kentonh at brnunited.org. Feel free to send him an email. Ask him for information. He's a great resource, uh, as you heard today. So if you are interested, again, you can send an email at kentonh at brnunited.org or visit online at www.brnunited.org backslash dr. Speaking of checking things out, make sure you check out our article for this story on the BRN's website, as well as the video that goes along with this story, and make sure that you are checking the BRN's website each week for a new transformation story. Thanks so much for joining us this week. I look forward to talking to you guys next week with another transformation story. Have a great week, everyone.